Nederland. Nederland gaat in de halve finale komen. Ik heb opeens zo'n gevoel dat we in de halve finale gaan komen met het balbezit voor Frank de Boer. Frank de Boer speelt de bal heel goed naar Dennis Bergkamp. Dennis Bergkamp! Dennis Bergkamp neemt de bal aan! Dennis Bergkamp! Dennis Bergkamp! Dennis Bergkamp! Dennis Bergkamp! Dennis Bergkamp! Frank de Boer speelt de bal naar Dennis Bergkamp! Die neemt de bal feilloos aan! En ik schiet de bal erin! We spelen nog officieel 20 seconden! Hello and welcome back friends. We are the vassals of Kingsgrave and we're back with another edition of SoccerCast. World Cup fever continues to grip the globe and today we'll be looking back at the first round of the knockout stages, also known as the round of 16. I am your host Pops or Noah in real life and I am joined by my faithful hooligans Bina. Hey everyone, Bina007 on the Discord. And Bing. Bing who's operating on very little sleep right now. While the group stages offered the neutral a lot of excitement and joy to the underdogs, this round of games felt like a return to business as usual. Uh, usually there is a, a more prolonged break between the group stages and the knockouts, but uh, given the condensed nature of this tournament and the season in general, there was no time for a breather. Maybe the strength and depth of squads showing where some teams have been unable to rotate due to a lack of quality... However, we'll get into it here and we'll talk about these matches in pairs based on the quarterfinal uh, showdown. So to begin, let's get some thoughts on the Netherlands versus USA, which unfortunately to our many uh, US listeners did not end well for the, the Yanks. Um, yep. We had yeah. uh, we had an early, early Pulisic chance. There was a one on one. He had, you know, just one on one with the keeper. He tries to place it. Maybe a low and hard drive would have seen it hit the back of the net. And, you know, it's well documented the uh, the struggles you guys have had in front of goal. Um, but Bing, you must have been encouraged after after that start, that flash of uh, hope. Uh, I mean, look, we can score goals. I've talked about this many, <laughs> many times by this point. We don't have a real striker. Gregor Halter, the, the coach, kept trying different strikers. All three of them that he caught up. Uh, this this game was was Jesus uh, Ferreira, who unfortunately played the worst out of all three of those because Jar Sargent was injured. It is what it is, right? Our best players who have who even played a pretty good game overall in this game, they made key mental mistakes at important junctures of the game that that the Netherlands and Netherlands just just made them pay. It's that's the difference, right? Between the grave the, the, the round of sixteen is the graveyard. Of would be teams, the, the the underdogs or whatever. It's the teams that are not good enough get buried in this round by teams that are better than them. And Netherlands are just better than the USA. It's just that's just how it is. Yeah, agreed. Certainly, that's the that's the pattern we saw in this at this stage of the tournament. I think you're being harsh. Maybe that's the uh, the lack of coffee in your system this morning. But I think you're being harsh on the states. We give them a better fight than maybe some of those other teams gave the other superpowers in, in, in this round. Uh, we tried. And even when we went 2-0 down at halftime, we tried to keep um, come back and even got a goal and then they immediately scored. Just to throw some stats out there, you, you outshot them and outpassed them and had more possession. So I think, I mean, it's promising. There's a, There was a lot of energy going forward. Certainly that second half, you know, 
it just came down to the finishing. I mean, that's one way to look at it, right? That's and, and that's good and that's positive. Uh, and this is a really young team. This is a, this is one of the youngest teams in the tournament. Most of our starters, they'll definitely be back. We 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 will definitely be back. We are hosting this thing <laughs> in 2026. There's still golf there. Um, and I think you mentioned you're correct in mentioning you know, lesser teams. We have don't have as many good players. Uh, the drop off between say Yunus Musa, Tyra Adams, and Weston McKinney in the central midfield, and what comes next is a huge drop off. We can't rotate these guys, and because of that, no. mental fatigue set in. And especially with our fullbacks, Dest and Robinson, they had good tournaments. They played really well, but both of them switched off at key junctures, uh, and and the Netherlands just keep hitting, just just keep punishing at the exact same spot. It's the it's always the fullback crossing to another fullback that in the end got us. This is all three goals that came from almost the exact same pattern. So it must be said. I think it was the first Dutch goal where over yeah. over over twenty five passes. Yeah. Um, yeah, which was was just wonderful. They used to call it Dutch total football, didn't they? This isn't Dutch total football. This is Dutch shell, uh, bunker football. <laughs> but, but the problem is whenever they want to come out of the bunker they're very comfortable in their bunker and whenever they want to come out of the bunker they almost always always score <laughs> yeah a quick a quick word on the dutch beaner do you think uh do you think they've got another gear to go to can they are they still sort of just cruising through met you know no offense to the u.s or um or any any of the other teams they face in the group stages but do you think there's another level they can reach i think they there is another level they can reach and I think they've got the manager to get them there. I think the more interesting discussion actually will come with England who will for sure have to find another gear to beat France and one wonders if Southgate has the tactical courage, the the kind of leadership skills to get them there. I, I've really been impressed by the Dutch this tournament. I think they are the team that were maybe, maybe even by us because we talked about them defensively but maybe a little bit underestimated, some phenomenal players coming through. And I, I really fancy them. Van Howe is, he, he, look, he's, he's, I think Manchester United fans like to dominate discussions and they don't like Louis Van Howe. He, he didn't do that great for them. But, but then again, how many managers since Sir Alex Ferguson have actually done great, great with them? <laughs> Louis Van Howe in this tournament is one of the best managers. And it's just, there's just no disputing that. His record stands, stands for itself. He doesn't give a fuck. He's ancient. <laughs> and that's dangerous for all teams because a lot of other, other managers, if you look at Berhalter, uh, the US manager, well, you see the, the difference. You see the, the difference in tactical acumen. One just couldn't quite, gets indecisive when it comes to changing the shape of the team, doesn't really know what to do when there's no striker that's, that's really informant to put away goals. So he couldn't really figure out, okay, I'm going to play this striker, or should I play that striker? Even how doesn't care. You just play the players that 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 he feels are the best at that moment, and somehow he's always right. The goalie that that the Netherlands is playing right now, that guy never played for the Netherlands a single game before this entire turn before this tournament. That guy never played for a team that's worth anything in, in international soccer in his entire life. In, in his in his thirties, and, and how just picks him, and he's doing great. So uh. yeah, he's a wily old fox, isn't he? <laughs> so looking ahead obviously we know they meet um argentina in the quarter quarterfinals so let's um uh, let's discuss argentina australia which you know again another one of these um maybe a, a really solid first 11 australia but not quite much more in depth maybe looking um i mean 
there was a there's a goal close control in a tight space squeezing a shot in with his left foot no it's not Bakayo Saka it's that other bloke who's good at football Lionel Messi has he come to life what what are we thinking um about the the Argentinian performance it was a a high press that got them their second goal and Australia made it a little nervy getting one back but didn't didn't ever feel in doubt really that game I don't even know if it was a good good starting eleven in the first place. <laughs> uh, it was a team that played to a plan. Uh, that okay, and they, they they defended well. And like I said before, in the group stages, they just conjure goals out of black magic. I mean, and the, the, that goal they scored against Argentina is just pure out of nothing. It's just what what is he, what is that? Uh, you but they made <laughs> yeah, but they made Argentina panic at the end. Uh, so good on them. Uh, this is probably the best football those individual players have ever played in their entire careers. Yeah, so does, does that speak to a, a weakness in Argentina? Or again, is it this, you know, there's another level when they, when they face tougher opposition, which they will in the quarterfinals, is that going to spur them on to raise their game? I don't, I think that they play differently. Just, they, they play differently against bigger teams. The point with the Netherlands is, well, they're still favored against the Netherlands, so it's it'll be interesting to see what their approach is. Um, on one hand, I yes, the, the, the I think those players well played better. Uh, the deeper the tournament goes, on the other hand, those last few ten minutes or so, in which they played really nervy, that might be a sign of again in some of those players that aren't quite as experienced at say a Lionel Messi <laughs> tournament. But also, it might also speak to the fact that their coaches are pretty young and kind of green at this level as well. So they have won a Copa America, however, with this team. Mm. And so... Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. Yeah. You'll notice that I haven't mentioned our predictions because I think I got every single one wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and you guys did quite the opposite and got everything right. Oh, no, I got one right. Okay, we'll save that one for the end. But we will not mention any of the others. <laughs> so there have been some classics Netherlands versus Argentina down the years. Any of our listeners don't know who Dennis Bergkamp is, I highly advise you to go and watch his 1998 last-minute winner against Argentina um, for Dutch. So he was scoring for the Netherlands. But they've actually met surprisingly frequently in the last couple of World Cups. They met in 2006 um, uh, in the group stages and... 2014, I think again in the quarterfinals where Argentina won on penalties. Well, that was one of the worst games I've ever, ever watched. <laughs> <laughs> so what, yeah. what are you guys, uh, what, what, what do you think is going to happen? Um, how, how do you think this one's going to turn out? I just feel that Argentina has to win, right? Um, but I think it will be close. But Messi, they seem to be getting better and better. Messi seems to be coming to life. Um, I think you just got to back the on-paper quality here. I mean, I'm, I'll go with Argentina, but I'm not behind Argentina. The Dutch have significant advantage in certain positions. Uh, Argentina have other, it's much better going, going, going forward. The Netherlands not going to score as easy goals they scored against US as against Argentina. It's just not going to happen. Uh, and we'll figure out different ways to do uh, okay. that. It's no not a mic issue. It's, my headphone is exactly where it is. So, uh, no, sorry. Um, but yeah, no, I was, what I was saying is uh, Netherlands is not going to score as easy goals as they were scoring uh, against us. 
uh, in, in round of 16. It's just not going to happen against Argentina. Uh, they have to figure out other ways to unlock Argentina's defense. Um, but Argentina's defense did look a little bit shaky throughout this entire tournament. So, and Argentina haven't been exactly entirely prolific, um, but I will credit uh, their coach, uh, their coaching team, Scaloni, and a bunch of former Argentinian internationals. They've made the tra- they made the changes when it's necessary. They've dropped uh, Lotaro Martinez when he's just can't figure out how to what how, how offside tra- uh, trap works and put in Julian Alvarez and Julian Alvarez has been great. So yeah, agreed. I, I he is exceptional, which frustrates and terrifies me from a Premier League perspective. But um, yeah, I think if he fires for Argentina, it can sort of be. I mean, we'll get to it later, the Portugal game, but it can be a similar kind of bolt from the blue someone who Mm. maybe we weren't banking on uh being such a big impact um i mean if we're if we're doing predictions i am gonna actually back the netherlands on this one um uh and it sounds like you two are going for argentina right sure yeah but i think it will be close i think i think it will be close and it breaks my heart because i really loved i really enjoyed watching the netherlands but yeah argentina Okay. I mean, it has to be right. right. I had them in the final. That that was my all prediction for the final. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, it it does set up, you know, if Argentina go through and all being good, we'll get to it. But Brazil, you know, an Argentina-Brazil semi-final just sounds so incredibly spicy. I don't think anyone... It just sounds like the final, right? I mean, it just sounds like the wrong time for them to meet. No. Well, it can't be the final because England aren't there. So, you know... uh... But again, we're getting ahead of ourselves. So um, on to the next pairing of games. We had uh, the wonderful, the mighty Japan playing Croatia, who unfortunately went out on penalties. Um, And we also had Brazil beating South Korea. So starting with Japan, I think I thought they were I think this is another case of kind of a team running out of steam Um, that similar. You know, I think they actually they took the lead in this game. Uh, briefly and and had more than 20 percent possession which was shocking but croatia that i think that every every world cup or at least in the last 20 years they've been such a, a an unappreciated force they're phenomenal right and they've got luka modric who's one of the most experienced big tournament players out there I did wonder, I mean, as, you know, when something like this goes to penalties, is it just match experience that wins? You know, God bless Japan. I was so excited to see them. I I was really rooting for the Asian teams to go through. But you've got to back teams that have have real match experience in big tournament play. And with Croatia, this is going to make them suffer in four years' time, right? Because they've got some retiring players. But you just felt that they that experience, that calm head was going to keep them going. Um, even if on paper, they're quite even teams. So it wasn't surprising to me that Croatia went through at all. Yeah, certain Luka Modric is going to retire no. in four years at this point. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, how old is Modric? He's been he's 37. 37. Wow. I mean, that man is the finest cheese in the world because he just gets better with age. Well, like he... I said, he's a vampire. Or <laughs> that. Or that. I mean, yeah, he was exceptional. He's exceptional. You know, they're pulling the strings they're, there. They're a little interesting they subbed him out uh, in this game uh, at around a 60, 70th minute. And... They did. I'm, I'm just trying to see who that was for because I, I feel like, didn't they have... I mean, were they going? Were they planning for penalties already? No, I don't. I, no, they weren't. In fact, they were in incentives. 
after about like after Perisic scored. If anything, they were the ones who were going to score after like 60 minutes or so. Although Japan did have one final chance that was very close. Yeah, Modric came off in the 99th minute. So yeah. I think it was okay. just 37-year-old yeah. Luka Modric running out of steam. Yeah. The, the, the Croatia, this is, this is a team that, it's the same team. They've switched out some places in which they had to. Mandzukic is retired, so they have to make the switch up top. The mm. Rakitic also retired from international football. They have to, but they didn't really have to do too much in the middle midfield. They just swapped in for Kovacic. Uh, it's they they it's still that central midfield that's going to get them anywhere. If, if they're going anywhere further in this tournament, it's that central midfield. They just have to win every single battle they they, they face. Um, they won the middle field battle in this game. Eventually, it took them a while before they got there. Um, and Japan can't score penalties. <laughs> they suck at it. They suck at it in every single yeah. tournament I've watched them play. They just suck at penalties. I don't know. I don't know I'm, why. It's I'm, not the same players. They just, they just suck at it. Yeah, I mean, my God, the most lackluster penalties. Um, yeah. It's not a technique. Really, thing. it's not yeah. a technique thing. It's almost 100% mental. They just couldn't. It's it's one thing. It's one or two players who keep doing it. All of them keep doing the same thing. I mean, do they even practice them? I mean, it, it feels like it feels like something. Certainly in a World Cup. I mean, you know, I, I mentioned earlier. There's no, you know, I think usually there's a break, a, a week break between the group stages and the the knockouts. Um, no, you know, there was just like one or two days. Oh, okay. I thought I thought it was a bit of a longer break than that because it felt like yeah. a super fast turnaround. Like some teams. I mean, this is still fast. <laughs> yeah. No, but no, I think. Well, I mean, why does why does England suck at these in international tournaments? It is. It, it happens. Yeah. It. I mean, it happens. It does. But yeah, Croatia ruthless. Um, and they march on. Ten- tenacious Japan get get an early uh, early break. Say one thing. Uh, their center defender, the 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 center defender, uh, Yusuf Guardio is going to. Uh, that's that that's a star. That that's going he to be. He is. Of he looks very good. Yeah. Um, RB Leipzig. Um, I mean, I'm looking at it now. A center back who can play left back. Mm. Sign him up, Arteta. Yeah. Uh, if Arsenal have like uh, let's say a hundred million <laughs> euros to spend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, after after this World Cup. Anyone who's under the age of 25 who's performed is uh, going to be in, yeah, <laughs> mad money. All right, well, let's let's move on to Brazil versus South Korea. Um, I didn't actually get to see this one. So, I mean, it ended 4-1, looked pretty routine. Play. It was just a ruffle stomp. It was bad play. And it just made me feel like sometimes, you know, you're so excited when a team like Korea goes through against the odds and then it just sets you up for actually a really dull R16 match because they were so outmatched. You know, Brazil wrapped it up by halftime. Some people yeah. off just, you know, commiseration goal, but it was it was just brutal. And it wasn't actually that fun to watch because it was just so, so horrid and uneven. I like the football that Brazil was Brazil playing. I also like the celebrations. That was funny. Yeah, I mean, bringing on 65-year-old Danny Alves for the Bants. They, they, no, it's worse than that. They brought on their, their third keeper. <laughs> they subbed in their third keeper. That's that's when you know. Yeah, you, you, I mean, they, there was like a disrespect to it. At one point, I was just like, this is mean, actually. This is disrespectful to South Korea. Just, I got mean, you're preserving players for a very quick turnaround quarterfinal, but this just feels... Flipping like bullying. I didn't like it. No, look, there's, there's no, there's no 
sentiment, sentiment, especially by the time we get around to 616. You're good enough or you're not. South Korea wasn't good enough. Well, Brazil gets to do the, do the stuff that they want to do. From their perspective, they get the, the, the last player who hasn't played a game, they get, get him into a game. That, they, don't care, they don't care about South Korea. They're already thinking about the, 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 the next game. That, that's fair play to them. They get to do, they, they get to do this. I mean, it's it's fair play, but to quote the Prince's Bride, it's not sportsmanlike. It doesn't Isn't... show respect to the op- it doesn't show respect to the opponent. In fairness, the opponent wasn't really deserving a respect, but I don't know. I was just so excited when Korea got through, and maybe that's my own fault for sentimentalizing a brutal sporting competition. But it was just very sad, very sad to see. At this stage, you're either good enough or you're not. Uh, I mean, I, to give South Korea credit, because we didn't talk about this because the, we recorded on a day in which they played their last uh, group stages games. South Korea, yeah. they, they, they shouldn't even have been here, but they made this incredible comeback. The, the, the Sun assist after drawing four Portuguese defenders around him and then setting a pass to Hwang Ki-chan for the, for, 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 for the, for the smashing grab that mm. eliminated Uruguay. That, that's, that was an amazing moment. Yeah, no, just thank you to South Koreans because if there's anyone in world football we want to see crying, it is Luis Suarez. Um, so thank you for that. I think Luis Suarez started crying at around the 70 or 80th minute when he thought he knew it wasn't going to happen. <laughs> well, it was immediately at the moment in himself. Yeah, he didn't even have hope. He just knew Uruguay were not going to score another goal or whatever they needed to do. It was just never going to happen. It was so memeable. It was so beautiful. Um, Ronaldo and Suarez, some of the least like men in world football. And yeah, Schadenfreude to the, to the win. Absolutely. So um, that sets up uh, uh, an interesting tie, very World Cup tie with Croatia and Brazil. The stalwarts versus the, the fancy, almost arrogant Brazil. <laughs> I mean, at least, at least Brazil will have competition on this one, but I don't see a way that Brazil do not go through. And that's sad to me because I've got a lot of respect for this Croatian team and people like Modric, but it'll be it'll be closer. But I still don't see how Brazil don't win something like two one. I really don't. Casemiro has been magnificent in this tournament. It can't be understated how good that guy is in the middle. Yeah, because you take out Casemiro, and this is well. Also, if you take out Neymar, it turns out this is also a very different team. Uh, Neymar, Neymar was out for two games during the group stages, and Brazil looked much more lackluster going forward. And, and again, the Chiche, the coach, is playing Neymar as a playmaker, and he's doing very well in that role. Now, going keep going forward, the opposition is just going to get tougher and tougher. I don't. I think Brazil wins. But if you tell me the Croatia, the, the, if Croatia wins, is that completely shocking to me? No. Yeah, um, and neither could it be like even on our prior match, right? So, but that's the point of quarterfinals. These matches should get closer and closer and more competitive as you go through. Because even the flukily going through teams like the Koreas and Japans, no offense, get knocked out. So, in a sense, by the time you get to a quarterfinal, no results should be completely shocking. No, completely agree. Everyone has earned the right to be there by that point. Brazil need to keep finishing their chances like they have, they did against. South Korea. They can't be as wasteful as they were in the group stages, and maybe and, and maybe the South Korean game has already helped them in that in that regard, and they just can keep better and better, getting better and better and better. But yeah, this is this is this is where they this 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 is where they really start to show their quality, and again and again and again, and maybe Richarlison and can keep dancing that stupid pigeon dance uh, that he's doing. Oh, he's, he's he's on a hot he's he he is on a hot streak right now. Richarlison is one of the most streakiest players in in, in football. 
he is on uh, on a hot streak. That that needs to keep going because Brazil doesn't actually have that much that much better options. Uh, well, well, I mean, you know, it's easy to look good when you're playing alongside good players. Is what I'll say about Richarlison. You know, he's I mean, he's contributing because well, I mean, and it is him now because Gabriel Jesus is injured. Uh, yes, so. <laughs> yes, it would be remiss of us not to mention our. Our, our lovely number nine, Gabriel Jesus, is out for three months and will miss the remainder of the tournament. Yeah. So um, I think we're all, uh, I think we're all Brazil for the win in this one. I don't see it going any other way. Hopefully, one of our Croatian friends can just uh, leave one in on Richarlison and uh, make sure it's the end of his World Cup too. Look, Richarlison is a very good person off the field. Yeah, I, like I mean, it. he stood up to Bolsonaro, right? Which is no mean feat. I think it's ungenerous. I know we're Gunas and we hate the Spuds. I think it's ungenerous to say he only looks good because he's with good players. I think he is legitimately a very, very exceptional player. He is. He's streaky. He's hot. He when he's hot, he's hot. He's extremely. He's extremely hot right now. Yeah. Well, we shall see. We shall see indeed. And then obviously it sets up a spicy semi-final, potentially Brazil versus Argentina. But we will not get ahead of ourselves. And unlike Brazil, we will show respect to Croatia. Um, so now we'll get into it. The third pairing of games. I feel like this is going to dominate a lot of discussion as uh, it contains England. Um, but we had France versus Poland, where France walked it. I think you might have even called the score bing. I think you said 3 or 4-1 in the last one. Um to compete in the tournament. Yeah, and then Eng- England Senegal, who I believe everyone's kind of thinking we were, you know, gonna scrape through on penalties or a one nil or a two one, but it was super straightforward. So I mean, let's let's get France out the way before we dive into dive into the English game. We had um, Olivier Giroud extending his uh, he is now the highest scoring player for France. And then the next highest score, well, the the player who will absolutely overtake him in his lifetime, Kylian Mbappe getting two. Felt like a very routine win for France. What did you think, Bing? Poland sucks. (laughs) Mexico also sucks and Saudi Arabia. Matty Cash, bless his incredibly English heart. Um, (laughs) He was not going to win any battle against Kylian Mbappe. That was just not going to happen. Um, and and the, the rest of the Polish team, they labored barely into the round of 16. Um, there was no universe in which they would com- compete with France. France can put up a B or a C team and beat Poland easily. Um, yeah, they dribbled over the finish line for that group stage. Um, were almost kind of shot to be there, I think. <laughs> you know, Lewandowski can... I mean, I he's doubt he's goals. ever going to... He scored yeah. two goals in the tournament. The, the, the team, we, this this Polish team, previous tournaments, they just suck. They just they just underperform and they get out and they get in. I mean, arguably the, Lewandowski scored more than I thought he would. I mean, that's arguably outperformance. I mean, he, he just is useless. The team around him is useless. There's only so much a striker in his pro. He's a he's a guy you put in a really really good team and he's going to finish a bunch of chances. He's going to score an enormous amount of goals every season. That's that's who he is entire career. He's not going to be a guy who's going to. He's not. He's not Messi. He's not Ronaldo. He's, he's not going to carry a team that of a bunch of losers over. And make yeah, I mean, he's not Ronaldo because he starts for his team. Well, that's we'll, we'll get to Ronaldo. <laughs> um, <laughs> look, Lewandowski. Wait, he's also like what 34, 35 now. He's yeah, thirty four. I mean, yeah. he might scrape it into the Euros just because. I mean, who who is the backup? 
Is it? I'm just trying to look down the yeah, list of Carol subs. Swiderski, Carol Swiderski, who plays for Charlotte FC in the MLS. Yeah. <laughs> Charlotte FC. Yeah. 25 years old. Which speaks uh, to the quality of the MLS that we have. And that our players are now are now are now getting caught up by Poland and Argentina has an MLS player, by the way. He does. He does look a bit like the one the aliens from Mars Attacks. I must Swiderski. admit. Yeah. I don't really don't have to talk too much about Lewandowski. He scored two goals that were handed to him in the golden platter. Poland sucks. Otherwise, yeah, this France team, yeah, not- this is eighty percent of their power. If this was a one hundred percent full scale French team, that's that's a very that's that that's one of, that is pre- presumptive favorite, uh, even over Brazil and Argentina and all of those guys. This is like an eighty percent French team. <laughs> they don't have Benzema. They don't have they they don't have Golconte. They don't have Pogba. So the starters that they have, they have to play well because their substitutes are not good enough uh, by this by this stage. You don't want to see Matthew Guendouzi suit up against England. Yeah, we know or... that very well. Um, <laughs> so, given, so given that they are basically, their first rung is phenomenal, but it's the first rung. How do you think they're doing on conditioning and tiredness? Because they are young, so maybe it doesn't matter that they're not like, you know, the Croatians, like the Modric's that are getting knackered by this point and running out of conditioning. Well, I mean, they threw a game away in the group stages completely. <laughs> um, so I don't think they should be as tired as Croatia. Or they should be fine conditioning. I'm more worried about with France is that they all, every single game they've played so far, ignoring the game they threw away, every single game they took seriously so far, they still have that five to ten minutes in which they just switch on and teams just suddenly find conceded. a bunch of time. Yeah, I think they've conceded. conceded in every game. They have. The pull and go was whatever but uh they did but even earlier in the in that game there were there were times in which poland actually created real chances against them and and low and, and in, the, in the pole game you uh hugo Luis had to pull up some some pretty key safes where they could have gone down against poland they mm-hmm. shouldn't have but they could have um so that that's that's what's actually worrying about france is that their players it might be, it's not physical it's not a physical problem these guys are fit this is it is him. It should be good to go. Then they're questionable, but he's been good so far. Um, but it's a mental it's a, that defensively, especially Pamecano, uh, who starts next to Varane, he just mentally switches off sometimes. Mm. They've got so. they've got Kounde at right back, who doesn't feel like them. It's his most natural position. Uh, it's absolutely not. But it's yeah. He he loves to play center backs at fullback. That's his favorite thing in the world. That's another problem. But the um, on the other hand, on left back, Theo, Theo Hernandez is having one of his turns. <laughs> uh, In terms of the defense and switching off, do you think there's a bit of complacency that whatever we concede, you know, Mbappe will score one more? Um, is that what's going on? Are they not? Are they not as motivated? Is the manager not getting through to them that what they're doing is crucial? I think it's just the players themselves, the profile of the players that they have. Some of them are just like that. Uh, it's it could be Deschamps not getting his matches not getting through anymore, but because this is a thing that happened to them in the Euros as well, uh, specifically in that game against Switzerland uh, in the round of sixteen in the Euros, which they they they, won, they, they lost uh, in that game. So it's it's bizarre, but partly it's also this is not their full this is not their their, their first team. Um, well, not completely their first team. I don't know if it's, yeah, they're, miss, they're missing a core, aren't they? Yeah. Um, I mean, who? I'm just looking. I'm just looking down that lineup, and even on the bench, and I'm struggling to pick out someone who, you know, you you sort of your Tony Adams, your you know, grab the team by the scruff of the neck to pull them through and sort of shake some sense into them. I don't see. I I mean, 
firsthand, I know that's not Olivier Giroud's in his wheelhouse. You know, I don't see it from any of the forwards except Mbappe just actually just being a goal machine. Varane, he seems more of the, you know, he's he's very experienced and a high quality player, but maybe not as vocal. Um, I, I mean, are they it, missing Pogba for that? Because Pogba is much more of a personality. Yeah, an, on, an on pitch, yeah. non field leader. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. It's. I mean, Adrian Rabio has been playing really well in that role. They have the the players who will get there in four years because I think Chouameni, Aurelien Chouameni, uh, who's already very good for and starting for Real Madrid now, he'll get yeah, there. Yeah, he's brilliant. And come and come Bingo will get there eventually. Um, coming that's even younger. Um, but right now, yeah, they're, they're, that they're, that's not who they are yet. Um, Griezmann is actually the the, the leader. <laughs> yeah, uh, Griezmann and Giroud. And Giroud, I think he he's not the stereotypical. I mean, I, I I know you Arsenal fans have a certain perception of Olivier Giroud. He's not in his ancient stage of well, how is this guy still around? How is this guy still scoring the same amount of goals as he was during his prime? So I think he's moved on to a different stage, uh, which arguably actually makes no, it was him always a good, he was always a good goal scorer. I right. think he's just um, you know I mean even for Arsenal he'd miss a lot of chances, and I, I don't doubt that. He probably has been better for Chelsea and AC Milan. Um, and maybe we just, we just when he was at Arsenal, it was, we were expecting him to be the goal machine and we didn't actually buy any support for him. You know, it wasn't until Alexis Sanchez came that there was someone to maybe alleviate that burden. I actually can't remember if they crossed over much for a year. Um, but he's, he's good at what he does. He can hold up the play. He actually, you know, for such a big man, does, does run... A, a decent amount um, and has a bit of pace on him. But I just meant, I meant more from the, the on-pitch presence, you know, when he was playing for us, and I don't think this has gone away from what I see in his game. He could be a bit lightweight or a bit of a passenger. Um, he, he's, he didn't ever strike me as the kind of player to, you know, slap some sense into someone or, you know, to, to chase back and make a tackle that sort of galvanizes the team. Um, but again, you know, he could do, yeah. you know, he's scoring the goal, certainly. And that, that is ultimately what's most important. But um, I think I think based on time, we should absolutely move on to England and dig into the feast that was England versus Senegal, because I'm sure we're going to have a lot to say about England-France coming up. It was pretty all right. The first half an hour was quite cagey and boring. And then we had a lovely move where Bellingham just burst into life. I mean... You know, I know Saka has been, uh, I think he's got three goals for England in four appearances now. Or actually, did he even feature in the third? Yeah, three and three. Yeah, so he he didn't didn't feature in that game. But um, I think Bellingham has to be our standout player of the tournament so far for England. And what he's brought in that role is fantastic, you know. And I think it was actually, you know, we we slate... uh, Old old Southgate when he doesn't you know calling him I think you called him tactically rigid earlier Beaner or something along those lines and I think putting Henderson in alongside him so he's got that platform of Rice and Henderson to to push on and be a bit more of that creative number ten uh, work to treat in this game. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I did call him tactically rigid and also lacking courage, but he's made some moves. Let's see if he can ramp it up. What I think is interesting about England is if you compare them against France, which inevitably we shall do, I don't think they have a stronger mm. starting lineup, although we should talk about what we think the best starting lineup is because he's got a lot of options. But we've definitely got more in the bench. 
So we're more like if you did a, a normal distribution, we've got thicker tails, basically. But the peak in the middle is less high. I'm sorry, that was so nerdy. Um, which makes it really fascinating on, you know, in terms of like how I think the fact that we've got more substitutions than normal in this World Cup really helps us. Um, we're very young. We're very fit. Um, probably don't have a player of the calibre of an Mbappe. But I think surrounding that, if we can deploy what we have well, I think it'll be closer than what most people think. I think being underdogs helps us going into this match. But I think it's, it, you know, I wanted to sound like I'm sounding a bit Ted Lasso. But it's going to come down to belief. Does this group of England players feel intimidated by France like everybody else? Or do we actually secretly think we can do it? I think I think the belief, is, I would actually say contrary to that, the belief is there. Um, I think it would have been easy with the Euros not so long ago to for heads to go down. And I think the goals that we've been scoring, the way we've been playing has whatever whatever worries and doubts there were have been shaken off by this point. I think even work in our favour that we don't have a Mbappe who is, you know, running away with the goal tally. Um, they are spread around pretty evenly in this team. You know, we've got Saka, Rashford, um, Kane finally got a goal. Foden got one in the last game, you know, that Bellingham's got one. It's it, it looks promising uh, from that perspective in terms of, you know, if we can we can chop and change, we can go to the bench and we can bring in, you know, in this game we brought Mason Mount, Marcus Rashford, Grealish, you know, top attacking quality off the bench and, and change things up. Um, I mean, before we dive into more England, is there anything anyone wants to say on uh, Senegal? Uh, they came into that game very, very shorthanded. They don't. They've had. They haven't had uh, Bukaya Saka this entire tournament, right? So yeah, no Mane. Obviously, I mean, yeah, you know, the step down from from uh, Mane to is it Ismail Assar is stark. Yeah, and also they were also out uh, Idrissa Gay for this game as well. Is uh, yeah, their their heartbeat in the center of the midfield. So one may say that step down is going to be like the step down from Gabby Jesus to Inketia come January or December twenty sixth. <laughs> Mm, I've got more faith in Eddie, but we can we can save that for another pod. <laughs> so yeah, not not too much on Senegal. It was it was pretty routine in the end. I absolutely adored the shit out of Bukayo Saka's finish. Obviously, Foden did some amazing work down the wing, but um, the little just outside of the right foot flick over the keeper. It was just so casual and so it's what he's all about, you know understated brilliance um so, and if, if we get if, if we're getting in we need to talk about his new girlfriend because she just looks like a right one she's slid into his dm she's instagramming up a storm i don't think that's the right girl for our kid i really don't <laughs> i think mama saka needs to intervene quick Ignoring the, 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 the stuff that the son likes to get into. <laughs> uh, Just reading now. Looking forward uh, to England, friends. Um, yeah, so- I think I think for, for both teams, it's, it's the first big test. It's the first, you so- know, I think either team, you could easily see them in the final um, if they can beat the other. So, you know, if France absolutely dominate England and, and go through... I wouldn't be so, you know, based on who else is in this uh, this side of the tree, the tournament tree. I I think you'd be confident of going to the final. Not so sure anymore after that last game. 
things have gotten a little bit interesting on the uh, on that other side. Um, so what I said about this for, about England is Gareth Southgate going to be Gareth Southgate and go back to his comfort zone. Um, in a way, he was almost forced to play Phil Foden in this game because unfortunately Sterling had a terrible thing happen to him back at home and he had to leave the squad. I don't know. If, I don't know if Sterling has made his way back to Qatar at this point. Uh, I don't know if he's going to play. He he had his he had his house in London burgled I think and yeah. his family were quite shaken up so he did he travelled home for that and I think he's looking to the FA to get uh, permission to um to yeah to come back. One thing I'm also worried about in terms of Southgate is is, is he going to go back to being Southgate and play uh, straight in the back because he has done that right. I, th- I think he'd be <laughs> tempted to. I think he'd be tempted to because you're looking at that very potent french lineup attacking wise anyway and i mean as much as he loves harry Maguire, he's not an idiot southgate and it must be some little voice in the back of his head saying hmm mbappe versus Maguire." not sure about that so so he's so yeah he's going to be tempted to overload the right side of the defense with walker and Shibuya. exactly because that's his, that's his favorite thing to do <laughs> he did that in in, in the euro finals and well, it's not a bad shout and then and then it could it could at least open i mean maybe i'm going to get laughed off off the podcast for this but if he does play three at the back then maybe it opens the door to play um trent at right back and put uh he will never play at left He'll never play Trent at, at right back. You know he's never going to play Trent. Not in this game. You know deep down, you you know he's never going to play Trent. <laughs> he does not trust Trent, in, in, especially in the game. He's not going to play Trent against us, the United States of America. He's not going to play Trent against France. Um, yeah, and I think so, on that one, rightly so, actually. Probably. I'm not a huge I, fan. <laughs> who do you think the starting lineup? But who do you think starts then? Does Bellingham? Does he go for Hendo? Does he go for Bellingham? I mean, what what does he do? Because it's a very it's an interesting question. He's got a lot of options. He might drop Bellingham. <sighs> no, he cannot. He cannot. Not drop not Bellingham. after the matches. Just I, I think that'd be very very tricky to do that. I I to be honest with you, I think if he goes three at the back, you know, maybe he maybe he drops Henderson. Um, I think yeah, great. the only players. Henderson was great Sorry. in that game. Henderson was great in that game. No, he was, no doubts. But, um, I mean, Bakayo Saka was brilliant against Iran and gets dropped uh, for the USA. So, um, I don't know. No, Saka just played against us. He, he, he was rested against um, whoever he played, uh, Wales. Sorry, Wales, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can see him going out with that same lineup. It performed well. I, I just, I, I do, I, I like Rashford. I accept Grealish is a good player despite having the most slappable face. He's right up there with Richarlison in terms of slappability. I, I, I don't want to see Mason Mount start. I don't want to see Rashford start. And I really don't want to see Grealish start. Mason I think Mount we had our best player. front three. Mason Mount is his favourite player. <laughs> I don't know how that's justified. He has been Chelsea's best player in a very subpar Chelsea team. Okay, so it, it'll be great if Southgate can go against his instinct and stick with what works so far. But previous tournaments have told me about Southgate and what's going to happen in this game is that he's going to try to nick an early goal and he's going to pack in. And what inevitably happens is that the other team is going to score. Yeah. He's going to pick one up and then maybe you last until extra time. Maybe even two penalties. England has now won those games. <laughs> I'll, tell, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what, and I don't know why I'm saying this, I quite fancy us on penalties. Um, is, is Gareth Southgate potentially a bit like a Van Gaal? Like, you know, everyone's saying this is his last major tournament. So he's got, in a sense, he's got nothing to lose either. I mean, mix it up. Go for, go for broke. Bazball the fuck out of this. You know, that's a cricket reference. Uh, if only he could Are they that. saying it's going to be his last tournament? Yeah, I don't know if it is. 
<laughs> are they not? I feel like I've heard that on every podcast I've listened to, but then again, they're all every awesome. podcast once Tim fired. But I don't think I, I don't think he, he. Yeah, I mean, actually, going to yeah, go. I, I don't. I don't think he'll go. He's he's so young. I think it's just the natural. It's probably more of an English thing. We're just used to. I mean, the Premier League is just some teams are just a, a revolving door of managers. But the England setup has become like that, as if, to be quite frankly, I don't see any top six Premier League side offering Gareth Southgate a job. Um, so no one's, no one's knocking at that door. I don't see any championship teams offering Gareth Southgate a job. <laughs> well, Mid- Middlesbrough might have him back, you know, but, <laughs> yeah, yes. uh, but, but seriously, I, I, I don't think there's pressure. And I think what we've you know, perceive as fans to be the right thing to do. I think the FA are going to look at this a bit less emotionally and they're going to see um, a final and a semi-final um, for the first time in God knows how long and probably stick with him. He knows the English setup well. He's, he's well ingrained in the yeah. FA. Yeah. I, I think that's going to probably speak more than, you know, he's already made it to the quarterfinals. I think even if we went out yeah, against so France, it would still be, be seen... That was my question. What do you think for the FA constitutes success of this tournament? Is quarterfinal already enough or would they have wanted to see us in a semi? I think it's a minimum. I think it depends who we're up against, but it's a minimum for sure. Uh, Like, you know, we've probably been dealt the toughest quarterfinal. Um, If we're if we're looking at it really, you know, I think this this is definitely the toughest game for both teams as well, which is why I say the winner of this will likely go on to the final. Um, we'll get on to Portugal shortly, but uh, yeah, all right, then go on. So, Bina, what would you do to that that starting 11? What, what's your... I, I would play exactly your... the same starting 11 as last time as Senegal. Go with momentum. But really aggressively use the subs as well. Like, use the full use the full capability of what we have in options. Yeah, we should, okay. Bing, any... any, any changes from that or should we go to Portugal? Uh, no, I, I I agree with you. I just don't know if that's what Southgate is going to do. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, we can move on. Yeah, I think you're right. There is a, I, I feel like you did just lay down the Southgate formula, nick a goal, hold on to it. I mean, it's the story of the, uh, the Euro final, isn't it? <laughs> so we have done England to death um, and hopefully France do not do the same. But now we get to talk about something very fun. Something very fun indeed, which is Morocco versus Spain. Um, the other game was Portugal versus Switzerland, which let's let's do Morocco first. Let's let's start. Let's have our pudding first. Yep. Um, it was a I didn't actually see a lot of the, the, the main game. I sort of flicked on in the last half of set, the second half. It seems like Morocco were doing all right. A bit of a cagey Spain. Um Spain passed themselves into oblivion, as they tend to like to do. Yeah, looking at it now, a thousand, over a thousand passes from the Spanish oh, yeah. and 77% possession. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. They passed themselves into oblivion uh, and anywhere but into the net. Bored themselves. Did they not penalties either? I mean, what? <laughs> According to Luis Enrique, they practiced penalties a thousand times. With Maybe. a goalkeeper? I mean, like... Maybe they should they should practice less penalties. <laughs> Spain should never have even needed to go to go to penalties. It just happens with Spain. And I think and actually to give Luis Enrique credit, even though he's gone now, he has made this team more attack or more direct, a little bit more direct compared to Russia in 2018. His 
Luis Enrique's Spanish teams have at least tried to score goals. But it's just, they just, in certain games, you just stop being able to score goals. They, 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 mm. it's, it's, it's the same formula. They pass it around all the time. And it's like, oh, great. A lot of possession. What are you going to do with that possession? Nothing. Morocco had the more straightforward chances in that game. Even though they had, they had what, 20, what was it? 23% possession? It's, yeah. Yeah. The, it's... At this point, that that's how well, it's a game of concentration, isn't it? When you have mm-hmm. when you have that that much of the ball for both sides, actually, you know, they often it's it's the old Pep Guardiola formula where you effectively bore the other team into submission. You know, he's done it every club he's been at and does it so successfully for Manchester City. Um, but it's actually it's it's tough mentally on the team that has the ball uh, as well, and and maybe it. Uh, yeah, just I don't know what it is. It they almost be, maybe they they become too focused on keeping the ball rather than actually being useful with it. Um, I'm trying to find a heat map for the Spanish possession because it's a lot of it's a lot of central midfield and like yeah, yeah, were they were they just doing the horseshoe of death around the penalty area? Um, is is what it sounds like to me. Yeah, and the problem and I think there's a practical problem is that they didn't have a big striker. Ferran Torres is not a real striker. He likes to do Barcelona and Spain like to pretend he's a striker. He's not. Um, and the other options, well, he, Amar, Alvaro Morada is Alvaro Morada. Nobody really trusts him, even though he, he actually played really well and scored a lot of goals in the group stages. Men just never really trust that guy to keep it up. Um, yeah. And Ansu Fati is not, also, first of all, also not a striker, but just, just came out of incredible uh, injuries. Um, Miko Williams is way too young and way too raw at this stage. The other guys that, that he trusts are actually not really that good. They're just the guys he trusts. Asensio, Sarabia, these sort of guys. They're not, they don't score goals. They don't score a lot of goals even in their club football. And, you, and, and, and so it's hard for, for, for you to expect them to be able to convert on the international stage. I think Spain yeah. does, does have bad profile players in their player pool, but they, they just don't like them. So, well, okay. <laughs> but give credit to Morocco. They... Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't again. This is not a total bunker job. A- any team that plays Spain is going to lose possession to them. It's, that's just going to. Um, but Morocco had enough offensive punch to them that they could have just won the game uh, in regular time. Um, I, I do, again, the doubt I had about this the, the Morocco team going into this tournament. They fired their coach like a few months before the tournament starts and brought in a new guy. Turns out this new guy is great. What can I say? <laughs> <laughs> well, either Rogagui hasn't apparently is the perfect guy for the job. He got Hakim Ziyech to play his best football ever for Morocco. Because if you read their fans and their comments about Ziyech before the tournament, it's always about Ziyech doesn't care. He, he mm. plays for Morocco like he doesn't give up. But he does in here. He's playing really well. And some of these other guys are, are, are literally laying their body down. Like Buffal is, I've never seen Sylvian Buffal play this well. The guy's been in the Premier League for, 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 for many years. Never seen this guy play, play that well. Um, yeah, they, he got that team to buy in. What can I say? Yeah, I mean, they were the, they were the last of the underdogs that, um, that keep marching on and absolutely loved it. And I, I will not fail to mention this is the only prediction I got right good, good um, of all of them. <laughs> Whereas I think, Bing, you got five out of six correct. <laughs> um, I haven't made any predictions. But yeah, I've just found that Spain's pass map, and it really is just sort of that middle, uh, middle third of the pitch, very, very un, uh, unadventurous football. Um, Alvaro Morata scored three goals in this tournament, but didn't start. I think they have to lean into someone, as you say. You know, they don't have. I mean, they don't have anyone who can score except him. So 
de facto should really be starting. But yeah, a thousand passes, one shot on target. And then, so who do we think took the worst penalties oh, at this Spain. tournament? It was absolutely Spain. <laughs> Even Japan wasn't that bad. The, it's the same three shots, essentially, the, the, the three penalties, right? Which, look, Bono is a good, good, really, very good keeper. And Bono knows all, three, all of those players because he's playing in Spain his entire career uh, yeah. for Sevilla. So he knows every single one of those players and, will, and, and knows where they're going to go. Uh, but no, those were shocking. <laughs> those are easy saves. Well, they hit the post on one, I think, and then the other two were just straight, yeah, yeah. straight into the keeper's hands. Um, I think he almost looked a bit embarrassed when they won it, the keeper, because he was just sort of like, I mean, yeah, throw me up in the air, but I really didn't have a lot to do. <laughs> we mentioned Luis Suarez in his tears. It would be remiss of me not to mention perhaps the biggest bastard uh, left in the tournament at the knockout stages was uh, Sergio Busquets, who missed his penalty after doing a hilarious little... He, did, he gave the keeper a little wink as he puts the ball down um, and then just completely fucks the penalty up. So thank you, Sergio Busquets. And may you never win anything ever again. I think we're running out of time in the final few minutes, so let's uh, let's nail Portugal versus Switzerland. So I think we're all predicting a bit of a tough one for the Portuguese. The stalwart Swiss, usually so solid, and my God, it just it just completely fell apart for them. See what happens when um, you drop Ronaldo. Yeah, you drop Ronaldo for some kid, Gonzalo Ramos, who no one has ever heard of. Well. I'm sure you have yeah. been. It's almost like if if Callum Wilson won the Golden Boot for England. You know, it's it's someone who didn't expect to feature much and uh, scores the the tournament's first hat trick. I think he That's bagged it. an assist as well. Absolutely yep. fantastic. Yo, Ronaldo sucks. Put it out there. He's not a good player anymore. He's fine. Maybe he want to nick a goal off the bench. Okay, that that's that should be his role. My problem with Portugal from the very beginning of this, uh, when we're talking about this in our very first pot, is it's not that they don't have the players to win this tournament. They absolutely do. They have so much talent. Mm. Problem is, they have to tailor all their talent around this this old fuck up front who <laughs> can't move anymore, who just wants all everything to come to him so that he can finish and, and, and he could finish and then dance his stupid dance. Ronaldo sucks. Portugal finished him. I think Switzerland didn't expect this. And all hell broke loose. Yeah. And all hell was, you know, all of that furor was completely forgotten. The instant he stuck his first goal away in the 17th minute. And uh, it was simple from there. I mean, you know, uh, Gonzalo Ramos was exceptional. Um, but he does also have an equally stupid uh, celebration. Um, which reminds me of like a, a seven-year-old running around the playground who's just scored and uh, just, around, just, just doing doing the little thing with his fingers. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Moving Ronaldo makes the seat, the Portugal so much more dynamic. Um, it makes Joel Felix absolutely terrifying. Um, mm. It makes and Bernardo Silva just freely roaming all around. That's what he likes to do. That's what he does for Manchester City. And what makes him such a good player. And, Bern- and Bruno Fernandes can just bomb forward, right? It's just... Unlock it unlocks the potential of Portugal, and that's and they're going. And I think they beat Morocco as much as I like Morocco as a story. I think they beat Morocco, and frankly, England and France they don't have a smooth road if they beat each other, they don't, they don't have a smooth road into the final. This Portugal team can be pretty dangerous now, unless they replace yeah, Africa agreed. Now. At which point, they'll, they'll if we could beat France, we'd beat Portugal. I think is a logic, right? Um, 
I don't think so. I think whoever wins uh, wins that, that game lose to Portugal. If, really? If, big if. Big if. They don't play Ronaldo anymore. Wow. I don't think. I don't think they can. I don't think they can play Ronaldo now. I think it would just. It would just be so counterintuitive and go against everything. Every every football. You know. Every sensible football decision. It's up to him. Basically. Yeah, it's up to him as the captain to sit his ass on the bench and don't make a distraction because that's what's going to what's going to curtail Portugal's chances. Yeah, because because he he can. I mean, I guess it's also to him. Does he want to win the World Cup or does he want to, <laughs> or does he want to score another goal? <laughs> I think even Ronaldo would sit sit on the bench and win the World Cup. Quite frankly, for the is it, I, I would assume it's the first time in Portugal's history if they do win it. And Fernando Santos, I doubted him whether he had the courage to do this or not. He dropped in for the for around the 16. That's important. Going forward, are you going to keep doing that? Because Portugal looks downright terrifying when, when, when Ronaldo is on the bench. That's all I have to say. Yeah, I think I'm with you. I think uh, I, I can't see anyone but Portugal winning that game. Uh, I've loved Morocco. I think they've been absolutely amazing. But just the way they dismantled a, a, a competent Switzerland team as well was a real statement for this tournament. I mean, it's a bigger win because... I guess aside from Spain, Costa Rica, it's the biggest scoreline, the biggest margin of victory we've seen at the tournament. And for it to come in the knockouts is uh, a real statement for Portugal. Um, so any final thoughts on this before we wrap up the pod? Um, mm, bear a thought for a 38-year-old Pepe who scored a, a pretty decent mm, header. 39 now, I think. 39. Good for him. <laughs> yeah, good for him. Maybe Ronaldo can take a page out of his book and... Uh, just, you know, shut up and work hard and then maybe he'll get picked. <laughs> but we shall see. All right. Well, let's wrap this one up. Thank you very much, guys, for joining me today. Thank you, everyone, to listening and tuning in, all, all of our many millions of fans. We love you. We appreciate you. And we will absolutely see you after the quarterfinals. Thanks, guys. Thank you. to get Craig out of here, right? Yes. We need to remember how to do that this time. How did we do that last time? <laughs> I don't think we did. How do we... Do we just do something in the chat? Uh, let's see. Go to here.